I would never advise a company to follow a trend because I think that that is setting yourself up for a lot of design debt and having to like redesign things too often. But I do think companies need to keep up when there's a general shift in the vibe of design because of that perception of quality that like is part of design's job, honestly. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and sub-projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie. And today we're going to talk about vibe shifts. It's funny, just before we started recording, Fem was saying that vibe is like the the word of 2022. It is the word of the year, I swear. <laughs> but I read this really interesting article recently by Nathan Bastes. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name anyway about the origin of vibe shifts and it goes into how like i don't know in the early 2000s like or you know 2010s uh all of the marketing websites for all the tech companies had these full width photo headers right do you remember seeing all of those i remember yeah uh but now everything has an illustration and it's got those like weird amorphous blobby characters you know that's that's the vibe that's happening a, a lot of the place and he talks about how vibe shifts occur, like what goes into them. And we're going to talk in a little more detail about this today because I think it's a really interesting topic because it's like the, I don't know, like, like a bit of design history in a way, like design recent history. Yeah. And I know Fem has thoughts on vibe shifts and product design as well. But we actually have a sponsor for today's episode, which is exciting. So let us tell you a little bit about them first before we get into this talk. Zeppelin has returned as a supporter of this podcast, which we are very excited about. Yay! Thank you, Zeppelin. Yeah, thank you, Zeppelin. Zeppelin is a tool that designers can use to essentially like hand off to developers, but also to communicate the the designs that are going to be put in production, right? Like you can organize your screens, you can connect it to Figma so that it's pulling in the most recent versions so that people outside the design team can be looking at your designs in a place that like, I don't know, feels a little bit more familiar to them than a design tool does. You can mark things up for developers so that they can know what it is that they're building and just yeah bring a lot of clarity there. And it's a great tool for teams, especially. So um, if you're a multidisciplinary team, then check out Zeppelin because it could be a great way for you to all work together and collaborate on getting the product that you want into production. Thank you, Zeppelin, for sponsoring. And if you want to check out Zeppelin, just go to zeppelin.io. We'll also link in the show notes uh, the article that I referenced at the start if if you feel like you want to read it for yourself. But Fem and I are going to talk about it as well in the show. Should we do a quick catch up first, though, Fem? How are you doing with, with life in general? Any vibe shifts in your life recently? <laughs> vibe shifts in my life. Oh, I haven't thought about that. Uh, I mean, in general, I don't know if this counts as a vibe shift, but like I am trying to uh, embrace more... Uh, I don't know how to say this, but like, I'm really tired of owning a gas car and like getting around uh, in a gas car, even if it's like five minutes down the road to go to the beach or whatever. So uh, we're trying to move to towards an electric car and kind of away from gas emissions, cost of gas, all those things. Uh, getting an electric car is, is really difficult right now. Uh, the waiting times are very, very long two years seems to be like the Whoa. average waiting time right now so uh i just bought myself an electric bike uh to kind of tie me over a little bit and start using the car a little bit less and i'm very very excited about this electric bike it's like 
I feel like I'm flying when I'm on it. It's like <laughs> beast mode. It's it's beautiful. I'm really happy with it. And I can't wait to like hit the trails this weekend. So yeah, my vibe shift, I guess, is like getting around in a more environmentally conscious way, getting away from gas. That's, that's what's been on my mind lately. I love it. I have not had this issue because I've never owned a car in my life. But oh, what jealous. I'm hearing from you is if I want to own one at any time in the next two years, maybe you I should order, order it one now. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no joke. <laughs> what about you any vibe shifts yeah I would say the vibe shift that I've experienced recently is actually having motivation for my book about marketing oh, design great I've had the like most productive week I, I feel like I probably talked about it in the last episode but yeah it's it was just such a productive week of figuring things out getting clarity getting a solid outline in place I've written, did a bunch of writing today on the first like chapter, I guess. And it just feels like I'm in a flow with it. Finally, after like a year and a half, two years, maybe even of floundering. So we'll see how long this vibe shift lasts, but I am enjoying it while it is here. (laughs) Yeah. I love when you get into that flow state with something, especially when it lasts more than a session, like one, like one sit down session, but when like. It lasts for like a couple of weeks. So like, you know, you're really invested in that thing and it's just flowing really well. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you. That's, that's really awesome. Thanks. Well, let's get into talking about the article. So hopefully by now people understand what we mean by vibe shift that we keep saying. And I'm sorry, <laughs> that's going to be really annoying throughout. But it is just this time when it's like, okay, you start to notice, wait, everything used to look like this and now it looks like this. Mm. Uh, vibe shift in design in particular. And I described one that happened in web design, obviously, that Nathan talks about in this article of the photo headers to illustration headers. And the reason that Nathan pins this to is that photography, beautiful photography, became so much more accessible and free because of Unsplash. And yep. when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, of course. Yes, yeah. around Free that time. Free stock photography, like, yeah. Yeah, 2015, 2013, Unsplash was all the rage. It, it was like, it felt new and fresh and everyone was using it. Yeah. <laughs> Which meant that the beautiful head of photography that tech companies had invested in, right, for their marketing sites was no longer special in a way. Uh, what what Nathan talks about it as is that it's it removed photography as a status signal because now everyone had access to beautiful photos. So it forced brands to do something different to stand out, right? You couldn't rely on just a, a lovely scene, like a nice desk shot to feel and like project that air of quality anymore because if everyone can access it, then it kind of becomes less special. Mm-hmm. So people moved on to illustrations, which were you know, more customized and needed to be, yeah, needed to be custom to produce. More unique. Yeah. Yeah. More unique. And honestly, I feel like another vibe shift is happening because I don't feel like I see illustrations in headers that much anymore. I feel like people have gone more into like product, product illustrations is what I described it as, where it's like a screenshot, but it's like a stylized UI and there's other bits around it. And it's sort of like a blend. It's like abstracted of, uh, UI kind of thing. Yes, that's a great word mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I feel like I'm seeing that more and more compared to illustration these days. And I wonder if that's because things like Blush, um, Pablo Stanley's design to illustration tool made illustration super accessible as well, <laughs> right? It's super easy to create a custom illustration based on these different options. 
so yeah, I just wonder if that's what happening is happening now and the people are using the product itself as the differentiator because it's like, what else is left? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, I feel like even within the vibe period of illustrations, there were different mm -hmm. styles within that that were popular yes. at certain points of time. So there was like the flat illustration was really popular. Then there was like the kind of more uh, cartoon style where like it wasn't humans necessarily depicted in the illustration, but it was like cartoons or animals or something. Dropbox did that a lot, right? Like they were like more cutesy, I guess, illustrations for a time. Yeah, yeah. Intercom did that as well, I think. Uh, and then you started, I feel like the end period of that was the more like 3D style. You started seeing like Pitch, mm. Pitch, I think is a good example. They have a very good 3D aesthetic of illustration and you started to see that a lot more. So I feel like illustration too has like had these little mini vibes within it where it's like shifted yep. in style and tone uh, throughout its lifetime. What do you think? is the difference between something just being a trend and being a general vibe? If we want to get like, I don't know, specific about it. <laughs> yeah, that is so interesting. Uh, I don't know, I haven't thought about that. Cause I think there is a difference. Yeah, what do you think the difference is? Well, I think that a trend feels more like a, a flash in the pan sort of thing that maybe isn't sticking around as long or is a little bit more experimental perhaps mm. or a little bit more out there. Whereas I, I would describe a vibe shift happening as a time when, no, this is just what everyone does now. <laughs> right, like, it's not a trend. It's not a trend, it's just, it's just how design is done. Um, and I think that yeah, flat design is a good example of that, especially in product, right? Interesting. That yeah. that's just how products are done these days. I yeah. don't know what what vibe shifts have you noticed from the product side of things? Because obviously you'd pay more attention to that than yeah, I would. yeah. I think a really obvious one that comes to mind for me is the the shift from skeuomorphism to flat design. Yeah. So skeuomorphism, if if you don't know, it's kind of like when design is done in a way to make even though it's like a digital design, something you're looking at on your phone or on a screen, it's designed in a way to make it look as close as possible to the real thing. And I think Apple was kind of a leader in this in the beginning where a lot of the the Apple apps on your phone back in the day, this is like 10 years ago. Now, I guess the first sort of iPhone. Maybe even longer, geez, First yeah. few, yeah. Where like a lot of the, the Apple apps, like the Notes app, for example, had like this kind of textured looking paper and like the, I think it was the News app or, or another uh, app that had like a newsstand, like, like it looked like a newsstand when you open the app. Didn't the games one have like a green felt background or something? Like a pool table? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, like a poker pool table. Yeah, yeah. So like bringing in these like realistic elements, it's a lot of texture uh, into like apps. And I, I think we still see a little bit of legacy of this sometimes in app icons. If you think about like uh, either the icons on your phone or sometimes even the Mac icons, you know, sometimes you still see traces, I think, of skeuomorphism in, in those. But that was like, that was what design was, I think, 10 years ago, was that skeuomorphic kind of vibe. And then now we're definitely in the era of like flat design, right? Everything's very mm -hmm. flat, white, a lot of blank space. Uh, things are made to look digital, less so to depict what it's like in the real world. So that to me is a, is a really major one that comes to mind. I think we also sort of transitioned 
from skeuomorphism to flat design as well. Like I remember back in the day at zero when I was making websites in Photoshop because that's what we were doing that's back then. That's what you did. <laughs> yeah. And to design a button, I would be like adding a shadow, adding yes. like a light little glow. There'd be a border around it. You were really making it look not super skeuomorphic that it's like really intensely beveled and, and sticking out from the page, but it still had that element of, no, this is a raised piece of the design that you yes. can click. And yes. like now it's like, boom, here's a rectangle. Call it a day. That's an extra <laughs> button. You don't need to add any shadows or whatever to it. Yeah, <laughs> People understand it as a button. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I think back in the day we had to add those those bevels hmm. and shadows and things like because like digital screen design was so new back then. So it was like taking references from people's interactions of, of interacting with yeah, real buttons things. in the real world, mm -hmm. right? translating that to the screen and then once they learn that then you can start to like take those pieces away I think um, but yeah it is really interesting to see how this changes over time yeah what do you think about is, is there anything that we're doing now that you imagine in future is going to be we're going to have a vibe shift away from it uh I mean I see a lot of like nostalgic design in, in product mm. lately. I, I don't know yet if I would call it a vibe shift because I don't think or it's... Or just a trend. Yeah, because I don't see like the masses flocking to it. Mm -hmm. I still I still very much think we're still in this bit of phase of flat design. Uh, but I, I am starting to see this more like nostalgic kind of throwback style of design where it's like kind of retro. There's like a lot of like yeah using that z index right where it's like there's things like that appear more forward in the page things that appear more backwards in the page uh and like big bold text and bringing in the kind of like you know nostalgic like green text color like back when computers were just like black screen mm. with like this green kind of hacker style vibe text like things like that i think are interesting and i'm starting to see more but not convinced yet that it's a total vibe shift and it could just be a yeah. trend I wonder if we it, we even can spot them before they happen. Because, like, when we were all, you know, beveling our buttons and putting all the shadows and the, you know, inner shadows on them, I don't think we were thinking about the fact that that was a, no. a thing that was going to go away at some point. It was just the way you designed a button. And so that's how we were yeah. designing our buttons. But And it's hard to imagine, like, okay, well, what do we do instead of our rectangle with four pixel rounded corners yeah like <laughs> wait, the there's other ways now. to style a button like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is really interesting I think you're right like you don't it, it doesn't happen overnight right it's like this gradual shift and it's really mm -hmm. hard to identify in the moment uh something that was interesting in the article that you shared which I don't know if you want to talk about is um like AI starting to have yeah. a bit of a role in in these vibe shifts uh, which yeah, is really yeah, yeah. interesting. I think the author was sharing this tool that's like a an illustrative AI image generator or something. Like you kind of tell the AI what you want your like what yeah, you, you want to be in, in your words. image. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like you type it in, and then it kind of spits out this AI generated illustration for you, which is wild. Like that's very very wild. Yeah, and honestly. If you, I mean, we've done episodes, I think, in the past about future-proofing design careers and whether we thought that design would go away or whatever. And I never, ever would have guessed that illustration was the thing that got automated <laughs> first, to the be first honest. first thing that gets just, cut. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that just wasn't what I expected. And I, I don't think we're there at a place where, obviously, it's 
the yeah. AI isn't generating the stuff at the same quality, perhaps, that a, um, a proper illustrator does. But yeah, Nathan in the article talks about this potentially being the reason that we'll see illustrations disappear from company headers, like site headers, that that won't be special anymore because now an AI can create an illustration. So it means that everyone has access to it. And just like with Unsplash, once it's more democratized and everyone can do it, it becomes less special and companies need something else to signal their quality. As a as a marketing creative director brand person, like how do oh, you yes, feel? Yes, that is my official title. <laughs> all of those words. Um, how do you feel about all of this? Like, if you think to the to the marketing websites you've created, or maybe what you own, the space you own now within ConvertKit, like, have you in the five years I guess you've been at ConvertKit, have you adapted the marketing, the style of the marketing site to fit with the current vibes, like? Did you have photography at some point and then going into illustration? Like what what has been the things that you've done on the ConvertKit site within relation to this and, and these different vibes? We have literally done that, Pim. When I first joined, we had a full, <laughs> it was like a full height and width of your browser background image on the ConvertKit homepage. And then the first version of our site that I designed um, I had like this photo of a desk with a laptop on it and ConvertKit open on the screen. Yeah. And yeah, we do not have that anymore. We've gone it, it all in on the, I, I we skipped the pure illustration stage and okay. I just went straight to having a, pro the featuring the product, basically okay. showing the right. product and um, some illustrative elements around it. But yeah, we have definitely followed that. I don't know if it was intentional, but I think yeah. it, it was more subconscious. Um, Nathan talks about this in the article too, about the, how companies need to follow the vibe shift because the vibe shift it becomes the standard that we expect and it becomes what we view as quality and so if i don't know think about if there's a product out there now doing skeuomorphism maybe honestly it's been far enough from that you know <laughs> design phase that it becomes nostalgic and retro and everyone thinks it's cool again yeah but interesting. at the time there was that period where all the skeuomorphic apps felt old right and they felt like oh this yeah. hasn't been updated this yeah. is not going to fit my needs because it's old and it's not keeping up with the times and i think that's why i mean i would never advise a company to follow a trend because i think that that is setting yourself up for a lot of design debt and having to like redesign things too often but i do think companies need to keep up when there's a general shift in the vibe of design because of that perception of quality that like it's part of design's job honestly yeah yeah I think you raise a good point like I feel like if I stumbled upon a website or an app or whatever that wasn't within the current vibe of today I would be like oh a bit taken aback you know like oh this is mm -hmm. weird and like probably my perception of it would lower I'd be like oh well this doesn't feel quality or like this yeah. feels outdated or you know what why does this look this way? This is like so 20, you know, 2010 or whatever. Uh, so I think you're right. I think there's like this expectation and perception there from your audience uh, that can have a big effect, I guess. Yeah. I think honestly somewhere, maybe something else that's a, a general vibe of what's happening is animation on a site. I mm. think that started as a trend and honestly, people went overboard with it. You know, we saw yeah, a lot yeah. of scroll Animating jacking. Everything. There's a lot happening. Parallax, but, remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Parallax. 
But these days I do notice when I'm on a site and there's just like things very subtly animate in or like, I don't know, even just sort of like nicely fade in as you scroll, it makes it feel more alive. And that is not something we have a lot of on the ConvertKit website. And it's, I think it's something that I need to add because mm. I am concerned that this is the ne- part of the next vibe shift is having the site feel like it's alive a little bit more than yeah. having it just plain and static um, sitting there doing nothing. So that's something that I'm thinking about right now and wondering if I need to prioritize that because I don't want our lack of, you know, that layer of code to contribute to someone feeling like we are less less quality. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think are the leaders in this space? Like, how do you think these vibe mm. shifts happen? Are there any, I don't know, companies or designers, I guess, or any anything that comes to mind as like a leader kind of at the forefront of these these shifts? Well, definitely Stripe. I feel like mm, <laughs> they, the team there just like, they kill it. They freaking kill it. They do such great work. I got to interview Tatiana for my Inside Marketing Design podcast and learn more about their process and what goes into that. And I just heard about how, just how much space and attention they give to design. Like, yeah. quite frankly, they deserve to be leaders in the space. But I think visually, we yeah, we do see them leading the way on new new trends that become the vibe potentially interesting yeah Yeah. what about you what do you think from the product design side who's leading the way there that we should be paying attention to what they're doing i mean like apple in general like as a as an os right like the how the apple apps that come on your phone are styled i think very much do influence like Mm -hmm. the vibe of product design because you know they're kind of setting the the baseline or the standard of how to interact with your phone yeah exactly Mm -hmm. setting the expectations like can you imagine someone that's not technologically savvy like they learn how to interact with their phone mostly through the apple apps and then trying to open a a different app and it being completely you know different interactivity different usability like that would be probably pretty challenging so i do feel like apple does kind of set the stage a little bit and set the standard I'm trying to think if there's any like, like product, like actual uh, like tech or or software that set the set the stage in this area. I I guess like I think social media apps do also have mm-hmm. a big uh, upper hand here because of the size of their audience, right? And how like their user base is so large um, that like you know first it's like the Apple apps and then it's a social media app is mostly what people mm-hmm. are using. So I think the combination of that is definitely a big player and has a lot of influence. You know what? I think that that the same is true for web design and, you know, brand and marketing design in general, because what, yeah, what you said about it becoming the baseline, yeah. right? So if people yeah. are using their computer, they're using their phone, they're not thinking about if they're in a product or if they're no. on a marketing site, they're no. just using their freaking phone, right? Right. And so, yeah, the the styling that we have on the OS of those devices and the product design that they're seeing in those apps that they're in every day, if the marketing sites, you know, that we're trying to sell them on uh, look very different or yeah. don't align with their expectations of quality because they don't fit the vibe, then that can have an impact as well. So I think yeah, that yeah. this is definitely an area where marketing brand design follows product. Um, interesting yeah yeah another one that comes to mind is um like uh uh, doc editing 
software and tools, right? Ooh, like think yeah, about like Microsoft Word back in the day and now like oh, Google Docs or like, <laughs> yeah, Trigger uh, or like Dropbox Paper, very flat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think also like the whole kind of Google suite of products yep. is also quite an influence in, in the product space. Uh, like imagine if Google Docs suddenly went back to skeuomorphism, like that would be a shock to the system, I think. And like, would other companies follow trend? Maybe. Uh, so yeah, I think that kind of, uh, those areas are also like quite influential. I wonder what it must feel like to be a designer at these companies. <laughs> All that responsibility and influence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that what you're doing could have an impact on like our whole entire industry. Yeah, that, that is wild. And obviously it's not just one designer making those sure, decisions sure. over there. But <laughs> still, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do think that the article ends really interesting. Uh, there, the the author kind of talks about how like anyone sort of our age or like under thirty five is considered to be internet native, right? Like we grew up with the internet, mm-hmm. uh, but like our kids and like the future generation will be considered AI native. And like just trying to think about what that even means, my brain kind of like implodes. But yeah. It's, it is really, really interesting, especially to think about like internet and AI being two different things. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to see where this goes and who knows, maybe we'll start getting more like AI tooling in this space uh, for product. Also, I would be like wildly shocked, but I'm sure someone's working on it somewhere. So curious to see where that goes. I wonder if um, what you just said about how you can't even imagine being an a- what an AI native really means. I wonder if that's how boomers feel about being an AI Oh my native. gosh, probably, probably. <laughs> how we're aging. Um, something else that I like about the ending of the article is that Nathan writes, I think the leading edge of aesthetics will probably always involve human skill, even if the methods we use to channel that skill will change dramatically. And I agree with this. I think even with Dali, the AI illustration tool that we were talking about earlier, you still have to decide what it is you want to represent in the illustration. And a lot of the times illustrations are representing concepts, not literal things, especially in what we do, right? In tech, we're not literally just always illustrating someone sitting at a computer, which is really all you ever do (laughs) in a product. We're illustrating you like moving things around, taking things off shelves to signify organization. Yeah. And so you still have to think creatively to decide what imagery could represent a concept. Yeah. Like as an example of that. But yeah, I think that it's still always going to be worth it for us to be increasing our our levels of creativity and giving space to that. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, Charlie, for bringing this article to the show. Uh, It was really interesting to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Little book club. Uh, Thank you, listener, for listening. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, then uh, you can find us at designlife.fm is our website. You can also email us hello at designlife.fm. Dot .fm and we're on Twitter as well with at @designlifefm. Oh yeah, nice continuity. Also, like maybe if there's another article that you want our take on, you know, that was interesting to you that you'd like us to read through and discuss, then feel free to share that as well. It doesn't have to just be something from your own career. Totally. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks to Zeppelin for sponsoring this episode. We're going to be sponsoring a few more throughout the rest of 2022, so you might hear us mention them more often but we appreciate having the support of the show absolutely all right we'll chat next week see you then bye bye